This is Brandon M. Crooker, and you're listening to the Apostolic Theory Podcast. Today, we've got a very special guest with us. We have Brother Wiley Reinhardt, tremendous man of God, exceptional minister. Very excited about this episode. Uh, Brother Reinhardt, why don't you tell our listeners just a bit about yourself, your ministry, uh, where you, where, where God has brought you from, where you're going, and uh, we'll go from there. Well, thank you, Brother Brandon Crooker. It's my high honor to be with you. I really am honored, and I, I appreciate the invitation. Um, the ministry that uh, you're working and sharing with people, trying to, you know, propagate the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, thanks for all you do. Um, Fifty-six years old. Been in Ohio for 51 years, born in Chicago, but don't know too much about it. My dad became a preacher over 50-something years ago, and I've been preaching now for about 30 years, not real long. And uh, I took over uh, my father's church that he started, and I began pastoring in 2008. So 14 years ago, I became pastor. Uh, my wife served as uh, the national women's president for ALJC for a while. And for six years, I was the Ohio district. And, it, and neither one of us are serving in those capacities now, but I still serve with uh, Brother James Chesser as the ministry secretary. Recently retired, have four girls. Lauren, Whitney, McKaylee, and Fallon so far. Lauren's the only one married. Cody up to grave. They serve as assistant pastor and school principals at the anchor where Pastor Bounds is pastor. And uh, three grandsons with Lauren. My other three daughters, they, they're going to have to catch up. <laughs> Each of them owe me seven grandkids apiece. I don't care how they breed it up. So I need 28. <laughs> three grandsons, Winston, Lawson, and Cohen. And... Uh, and my wife will, I'm recently retired January 31st after almost 38 years with post office. So uh, I'm excited to be able to be at the church a whole lot more now. And that's that's been a refreshing change. I just retired at the end of January. So I'm kind of new at this retirement thing. I have to uh, discover some things to be busy because all these full-time pastors, they don't have any time. So I'm, I'm going to have to try to fill up my time so I don't have any time either. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Praise God. So we got talking about this podcast episode um, with Reinhardt and myself. And he, he he talked about some interesting things. And, and I'm very excited about it. Um, so why don't you just talk about that experience um, that you talked to me about and then We'll just see where the Lord leads. Yes, sir. Well, I've, I've uh, had some indelible moments in my life. Um, I wouldn't say God speaks to me all the time. I think we all try to follow the leading of the Lord. Yeah. Uh, as far as God speaking specific words to me, it's only happened a few times. And I want to say around somewhere in 2019, possibly it might have been 18, but I, I believe it was 19. Um, early in the morning, I got up. It was a little after 5 a.m. Sat on the side of the bed. 
and I distinctly heard these words. Uh, Samson did as before, Daniel did as before, and that was it. it. Wasn't me. I've never heard anybody else utter that statement. I'd never thought about it. The Lord implanted it in my spirit that morning, and uh, I may have been tired, but I wasn't tired then. I immediately, I immediately went to the Bible, and I wanted to find out where Samson had done as before and where Daniel had done as before. I was like, God, you have my attention. And I looked up Samson, and in six, in Judges 16 and 20, the Bible says that Samson said, I will go out as before. As at other times before, Samson said, and shake myself. And we know this was the last time. Um, and there's no record of Samson ever being told by God to shake himself. It was just something... I kind of liken it to a major league baseball player who may hit for the cycle. And he's like, okay, I'm not going to take, I'm not the, he's lucky sock did it somewhere along the line. Samson made a connection between shaking his head. And if you look up the word, it really means took his hair. And, uh, somehow he thought that was what brought the power on. So Delilah had cut his hair and he didn't know that God had departed. So now uh, I found out where, where Samson had done as before. So immediately I turned to the book of Daniel. And when Daniel knew that the writing, the king decreed that nobody else, anybody, any other God besides the king for 30 days, they'd be thrown in the lion's den. The Bible says in Daniel 6 and 10, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went to his house, opened his his windows being open toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. So now I found where both of them didn't take me very long to find out where both of them had done as before. So I began to ask the Lord, you know, what, what are you trying to show me here? Because, you know, a lot of times God just gives us a little bit. And we got to fill in the blanks. I heard the words distinctly, distinctly. Samson did as before. Daniel did as before. Now I'm like, I began to study. I poured over those two gentlemen like, honestly, I'd never done before. And uh, I really felt like the Lord was wanting me to contrast their yesterday. Mm. Because... What they had done before was not what they're doing right now. It's like, okay, what did they do before? And the Bible distinctly mentions one says as before, the other one says as a time, both the same meaning. So Samson's, when Samson got in trouble, that was his remedy. I'm just going to shake my head. And I, I want to insert here that we may shake because of the power of God, but I do not believe at all that our shaking can bring the power of God. Uh, that's not how it works. But Samson believed it did somehow, but it's not in anything we do in and of ourselves. It was a uh, book of Zechariah, the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, Zechariah four and six. It's not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, mm. saith the Lord of hosts. 
we have to respond to the word of God. And Samson somehow believed that by shaking his head, which I can't even do, I it gives me a headache. I can't shake my head like that. So I could I could never be a Samson. So again, I'm I'm contrasting their yesterdays, and I begin to find that Samson, he's the only one in the Bible that said he told his parents, he said, bring her to me for she pleases me. So I began to search that throughout the scriptures. And I found out that he was the only man that uttered words like that, where he wanted to be pleased. Then I began to contrast him with Jesus. And the Bible says that Jesus only did the things that pleased the father. He said things that pleased the father. He went places that pleased the father. And I believe the Lord wanted to tell me that, uh, in my life, if I could figure out how to submit myself to God to the degree that everything I did pleased the Father, then he's sure going to be pleased in me. And that's why Jesus, in, in turn, the Lord, at the baptism, he said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Because when we do the things that pleases God, you can be assured that he's going to be pleased with us. So now... You know, Samson wanting to please himself really didn't work very good for him. And uh, I find it a little bit humorous that those men who were trying to trap Daniel did not know about the power of prayer. I mean, they were trying to catch him praying, but they did not report him until after he had prayed three times. You know, why not report him after the first time? He's guilty. But he prayed three times. And... Uh, and this, this was another insightful moment for myself. And if I say, if I shared those words with others, they may get some different results on what the Lord was trying to say. But I understood that Daniel did not, re, did not pray in response to the decree. Daniel prayed because that's what he did. And a lot of times as Christians, if we're not careful, we pray reactively instead of proactively. And we don't really pray until trouble comes or we don't pray until we get a bad report or a big bill that we can't handle or a problem with our children. But Daniel had a lifestyle of praying in which bad news came. He said, I'm not going to change anything. I'm just going to do what I did yesterday. I contrast that with Samson, who decided that he was going to do the same thing he did, which would shake his head. So we have a comparison now of one man shaking his hair and another man praying to God. I think we can readily see which one should be invested in mm. and which one is going to produce results. Uh, that was his go-to, if you will. When he got in trouble, Samson shook himself. But we have to make sure our go-to is worth going to. And prayer is always something worth going to. And then I began to think even more that God wants us to live a day today that's worth repeating tomorrow. Now, if I lied yesterday, if I lied yesterday, that's not going to help me today. Wow. You know, if I had lust in my heart yesterday, that's not going to help me today. If I was jealous yesterday. I can't be jealous. Well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to do what I did yesterday. I'm going to lie. I'm going to cheat. I'm going to steal. I'm going to, I'm going to plot revenge. None of those things. I mean, you can you can list every sin that you could. None of them is going to help you today. But if I prayed yesterday, I can repeat that today. If I went to the house of the Lord and worshipped yesterday, I 
I really have been challenged by this, and I'll just be honest with you, kind of like uh, some of the other men in the scriptures were transparent. As much as that moment impacted me, and now it's three or four years later, I still find myself trying to live up to what God was trying to tell me. I still find myself trying to live a day that's worth repeating tomorrow in which every aspect is something that I don't have to change anything. But a lot of times uh, I end up falling short. And uh, honestly, I have moments in, in which I relive that morning. And it really just ushers me into the spirit, if you will, ushers me into the right frame of mind. And I, I steer back to that path to become a person that doesn't have to change and not be Daniel did not pray because, Oh, Oh my, I better pray. Cause I might get thrown in the lion's den. He prayed because that's what he did. I know that's yeah. a very simplistic statement, but if we, I think that the number one compliment that any minister could have is not that they're a great preacher, not that they're a great teacher, not that they're this or that, but that they are a man of prayer. If you can be called a man of prayer, that's the highest compliment that anybody can give us. That's what Daniel was. Daniel was a man of prayer. And uh, when trouble came to his life, he said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm not changing anything. I'm going to do what I did yesterday. And uh, Brother Brandon, that got me thinking about time. Uh, and in my mind, it, it literally took probably a year and a half to formulate all this. You know, we think of the words past, present, and future. We think of past. If you said, tell me something about your past, most people would say something from years ago, decades ago. Most people wouldn't say a second ago. Uh, but literally, when we started this podcast, we're writing our past right now. Uh, if they said, you know, where were you at, Wiley Reinhardt? yesterday if tomorrow the police comes and i need an alibi where were you well at 9 48 i was talking to brother brandon Kruger. we were we were on a zoom meeting we are writing our past right now and there's nothing different and we're also this is our present we're living our present and we're writing our past i could not reconcile the future and it just this is in my mind it took me i just pondered it often and I, I wondered how that third dimension of time worked with the past and the present. Now, the difference between the past and the present, we're writing our past. But if you're planning on going vacation next Monday with your family, that's the future. But the future is not a real dimension of time until it's lived. Now, if you plan on leaving at 12 o'clock Monday, that's the future. We can agree. Yeah. But the future is the a future is a concept until it comes. So at 12 o'clock, when you get in the car with your family, go on vacation, you're living your future. But at that moment, you're also in your present and you're also writing your past. So I begin to understand that the next word I say pierces the future. Uh, I just pierce the future when I move my hands. So literally, I'm living in my present. I'm writing my past and I'm living my future. So if you want to change your past, then you have to change this moment right now. 
I can change my past by beginning to live a life that's worth repeating to where I don't have to change anything when trouble comes. And this, this concept, I've, I've tried to share it with some people. Some people don't really maybe understand what I'm trying to say, but in my mind, it took well over a year to figure out the future. Then it just dawned on me that while the past is being written in real time, we can understand that the next word we say is the future. Again, but if you ask somebody about the past, if you ask about the future, well, you know, when I graduate, I'm going to go to college, then I'm going to go to graduate school, and I'm going to become a lawyer, then I'm going to move to Florida. All those things are concept, but at the very day they happen, you're living your present and you're writing your past. Now, for some, they, they may not understand it. Well, what's the importance of it? Uh, I'm not saying I believe this. It's not in the Bible or anything, but there are some religions that say that everybody has two angels with them. And uh, one angel records everything good you're doing. Another one records everything bad you're doing. I'm not sure how God does it. And maybe he employs angels because in reality, God can record all that for everybody. We, we know God can do that. But when you begin to think that we're going to give account for every idle word and deed that's done in his body, it makes us want to live a life that God can be pleased with. So, and also, uh, the Bible says that when God comes back, we're going to be changed in a moment in a twinkling of an eye. Now, that word moment is the Greek word atomos, and it's where we get the word atom, and it literally means that which cannot be cut or split. And what's interesting about that is that was, that was the definition for the word at that time that Paul used, but we know in the 19th century, that Einstein did indeed split the atom. So Paul Paul used the word in a moment, and uh, you understand how small an atom is, literally in a molecule of water, it means that God could change everybody that's ever lived in history, 150 billion people. He could change them all in less than a second, one at a time, and still be done in the twinkling of an eye. So... I think what we need to understand is it's really true that you can change your future right now. I don't know if you're, you're familiar with Joe's Crab Shack, but it's a, it's a seafood restaurant up here. They got plastered on the side of the building, free crab tomorrow. And uh, guess what? When you show up, they're going to say, well, that's tomorrow. Because tomorrow literally never comes. So I, I want to understand that my yesterday matters but it doesn't matter as much as this present moment that i live in if i made if i made a mistake yesterday grace covers me for today may i begin to say that yesterday i prayed and i can pray today yesterday i lived a life that's pleasing unto the lord to where i can become somebody that grabs the future somebody that speaks prophetically Instead of always being caught in the past, always even being caught in the present moment, because if we're not careful, the future is a concept that, well, we're going to have revival next week or next month or next year. We're really going to have it. But in reality, brother, the next words that we speak is spirits in the future. So I think we need to speak far more prophetically than we do. Uh, 
I think we need to be far more proactive instead of reactive. And uh, I think God will be pleased with us if we can understand that this present moment, and men did not have this understanding of God. Hebrews 13, 8 is one of my first favorite verses. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, most people believe that Paul wrote the book of Hebrews. That was his concept, yesterday, today, and forever, or future. But when the Lord showed up to speak in the book of Revelations, chapter 1, he said, I'm the God that is and was and is to come. So God is the only one who could say that his present comes before his past. He said, first of all, I want you to know I'm the God that is and was and is to come. Now, Jacob had some insight to this when uh, he had a stone for a pillow and and the angels were ascending and descending on the ladders. He said right. this. He said, the Lord is in this place and I knew it not. And what Jacob does there, he, he has some insight into how God works and how God manifests himself because he used the word is in this place, which is present. And then he says, I knew it not, which is past. So in order for that sentence to be grammatically correct, he would have had to say, the Lord was in this place and I knew it not. But instead, he gives us insight into the omnipresence of God. He said, the Lord is in this place and I knew it not. And what I gather from that is, if I miss God, he's still here. If I miss an opportunity to repent, he's still here. If I miss an opportunity to pray for revival, he's still here. A lot of times we miss God. But the good news is, if you missed him yesterday, he's still here today. So essentially, brother, that's that's the concept of uh, what God gave me that morning. I'm, I'm still trying to live up to it. That is, <clears throat> first of all, that, that is an incredible revelation. And we would all do well to try and live by that, you know, because when we, first of all, when we understand that God is not confined to time. Right. And the same God, the same spirit, eternal spirit that fills the universe was the same spirit that was in Jesus is the same yeah. spirit that dwells inside us when we receive the Holy Ghost. We have that same spirit in us, Amen. which means the spirit that's inside us has no beginning and no ending. It just is. Right. Whew. And then when we use utilize it, you know, it says the power of life and death are in the tongue. So when you speak Amen. and you speak life and you speak truth and you, you know, speak hope. Interesting concept is that hope. Uh, faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So for hope to be a reality, you have to have faith for it. Right. And so when you hope, you're literally seeing into the future. Hope is future, yes. And bringing it into your now. Right, I agree. And then you enter, it's just, the dimensions of time and, and, and how, how God uses us 
in the time that we live. But still, every once in a while, we get access to the one who is outside of that time. Right. Man. Amen. Oh, brother. <laughs> well, I'm glad I'm glad you enjoyed that. Uh, when I retired, I my concept of the future changed to this degree because you know I'd work 60, 70 hours a week. I you know, I looked forward to maybe an event in the evening after I got off work next week. Or I looked forward to a vacation I may have scheduled. Now that I'm retired, I'm, you know, I've got so much maybe potential and use of my time that I never had before because I've recouped anywhere from 40 to 80 hours, depending, you know, on what kind of week it was. And now it's kind of like I want next week to come. I want it to be here more, more so than I did before because. I wasn't really looking forward to working 70 hours next week. But now I have seven days in which I can fill my time with a lot more things. So it's kind of like I'm pulling the future towards me like I never did before. And even uh, when we began this conversation, I, I felt maybe more convicted than I had before about the need to speak more prophetically, mm. you know, because Mary did that. Uh, there was different people that was healed. You know, he said, it's not my time yet. You know, she went to Mary, she went to Jesus and said, Hey, they're, they're out of wine. He said, Hey, it's not my time yet. She totally ignored that turned to the service and said, whatever he tells you do it. So what that tells me is, and then I don't want this to sound wrong or blasphemous at all, but I think we can do what Mary did. You know, I think God is pleased when we speak prophetically like that. I mean, even in, in healing and prayer and revival, I, I don't think we realize that our time is now. And it's always now. Yeah. I've heard uh, different ones talk about miracles going to be restored. But in reality, everything that was began when, when the veil of the temple was rent in twain, Miracles have never been removed. Now, I don't understand how you have them all the time. I believe in them. I've seen a miracle myself. But miracles don't have to be restored. They are here. Right. It don't have to be restored. It's here. Revival don't have to be restored. Everything that happened after that fail of the temples ran in twain, there is no new dispensations until the Lord comes back. You may, you may call that a dispensation. But I just don't think and I'm speaking in general terms that we speak prophetically enough. Now understand, um, I think a lot of times we think that the impetus and the origin has to be, you know, uh, tongues interpretation are different than prophecy. You know, God speaks and God gives the interpretation, but prophecy, uh, I would have loved to heard the prophecy in Acts chapter 19. These people had never heard of the Holy Ghost. And when Paul prayed for them in Acts chapter 19, they spake in tongues. And We're just not taking advantage of everything, every tool that God's given us today. Hmm. 
Wow. And it's, there are some gifts that, well, a dispensation, for instance, a dispensation is simply a portion of time where God deals with man. Right. That's what a dispensation is. And, you know, I would even go as far as to say that God gives each and every one of us specific dispensations in our life. I can see that. Because he, God, for instance, when I was living in sin, God dealt with me a specific way to try and draw me into the body of Christ. But now he deals with me differently because I have the Holy Ghost. And he talks to me, and when he talks, you know, he, he gives us direction, and when when we mess up, he corrects us. But the correction in now is different than it was then. Right. And I think that this still applies to what you're talking about. You know, it is incredible to think about, you know, because... God, the one he he just <laughs> the heavens are his throne, the earth are earth is his footstool. He just flung the stars into existence and he stretches the heavens, you know, and we, we read all of these things about how incredibly miraculous and, and mighty God is. Amen. And we don't think that he could just in a moment, just a moment completely change our situation or completely change our life. Absolutely. Wow. <laughs> it can happen in a moment. In a moment. I, I believe when a, I believe when a sinner repents, they're instantaneous. It was an instantaneous change. Yeah. They may not even be aware of how significant it is, but it says that the angels, there's rejoicing before the angels. The way it reads, a lot of people say it's the angels rejoicing, but the way the scripture reads is it's God who's rejoicing before the angels. Uh, the scripture doesn't say the angels rejoiced. I believe it says there's rejoicing before the angels. Uh, I guess you could say the elders are up there, uh, but I don't think we, I know this isn't our subject, but we don't celebrate repentance enough. I mean, when there's rejoicing in heaven when a sinner repents, uh, that's what it's all about. From Genesis to Revelation, it's all about redemption and time. The Bible says to redeem the time because the days are evil. It's almost like if you stand still, you can feel time rushing by you. That's how quickly things are progressing. Um, so we have to redeem the time, purchase the time. Make the time, buy the time, uh, and it's precious, and it is, it's going quick. Our lives are just a vapor, as you know, a wind that blows and don't blow anymore. So I want to try to be more like Daniel in, in which, again, and I believe there's confidence. When you lay your head down, uh, 
when you when you lay your head down and you've had a, a good day in the Lord, that that's the greatest sleep that you can have. When yeah. you're convicted of things that you've done or things that you said, your your sleep's not going to be as sweet. And uh, even telling our church last night, if you walk in the spirit, you're not going to fulfill the lust of the flesh. I mean, that's absolute. Yeah. I don't, I don't think we do that enough. And part of that is, is you know, the Bible says to pray without ceasing. And uh, obviously, that doesn't mean to be on your knees 24-7. But I think it fits again with that speaking prophetically. Because when you begin to speak about what God's going to do through you, then you don't want you don't want to mess that up by making a trade for something less. Um, and uh, people like in the scriptures, we find there's confidence that comes walking with God. Absolutely. So I thank God, and I still ponder many times. I'm convicted many times. I'm challenged many times. And maybe above all, I'm thankful that God spoke those words to me that morning. And and I'm just being honest with God and you on this podcast that I'm still trying to live up to what God spoke to me. And I can. The Bible says David waxed greater and greater because the Lord was with him. If we can figure out, and I know this this is not some deep concept, but I don't know how we would it necessarily how we could get the Lord to be with us and I believe that was I know we believe that God walks with us but to wax greater and greater because the Lord is with you speaks of a greater dimension of than just going to church on midweek and Sunday but and you know David didn't have the Holy Ghost like we have uh, but he was close to God yeah and because of that he waxed greater and greater well, so, you know, David, what was he? He was a worshiper. Right. He would, he wrote songs. He worshiped. You know, he, he, he was a musician. He loved God. I imagine, you know, as he was, he was writing these songs and he's on the field tending to his father's sheep and he's just loving the Lord and he's just worshiping. He goes and gets the ark back when he comes back and the ark of the covenant. He takes a few steps, he worships, he offers a sacrifice, he takes a few steps, he worships, he offers a sacrifice. David was a worshiper. Well, we know that God inhabits the praises of his people. So right. why was God with him? Because he worshiped, because he loved God. He gave yeah. God the praise. And so that's why he could wax greater and greater, I would think, yes. because the Lord was with him. Right. So if you want the Lord with you in this moment, just just worship. Be a worshiper. You know, yeah. when God was, a worship is so important. When God was telling them to measure the length of the temple, he, he also said, count those or measure those that are worshipers. Very good. Man. <laughs> Along those same lines, I, th I find it interesting. Gideon had 32,000 men. He was outnumbered at that point, 4.2 Midianites to every 
one of Gideon's men. And these these were uh, brave soldiers because they thought they could do that. One of them confident enough that they could take on 4.2 men each. So I believe it was 135,000 Midianites divided by 32,000 men. And then God said, you've got too many. And as you know, if you're afraid and the water tests, now they're down to 300. And now the odds are 450 to 1. Now each one of Gideon's men has to defeat 450 men each. And you know the story. God God said, uh, if I let you win this, you're going to think you did it. So I'm going to make the odds so insurmountable that you'll know I won the victory. But here's what I find interesting about what we were just talking. It says Gideon placed their trumpets. I mean, if you've ever tried to blow a trumpet, it's not the easiest thing in the world. But I find it amazing that all 300 that was left were trumpet players. All 300 <laughs> left were worshipers. And uh, I don't think I don't think we get into enough. Uh, and I don't know that I've even said this before, but I, I just I feel it. I don't think we get far enough into the enemy's camp. I think we stick around to where the odds suit us instead of getting into areas where wow. God has to give us the victory. And that's where God led them. He said, I, look, there's no doubt when I win this victory, you're going to know you didn't do it. Yes. So I, I really think, and part of that is the prophetic and speaking things that if God don't show up, then it's not going to happen. Uh, John Maxwell, he has a lot of good material and, uh, a pastor, a youth pastor in Ohio, he said, every year at our church, we had a one God project. He said, well, what's a God project? Well, a God project is a project so big that if God don't show up, it's not going to succeed. So I think we, we've got to step out of the careful elements in which the odds are for us and venture out into something that we know God, God has to give the victory. Wow. Yeah. I've been convicted talking to you already a couple of times. Praise God. Well, Brother Reinhardt, this has been tremendous. Um, I'm very excited, like I said, about this episode. And I think that this is going to change uh, some people's concepts, you know, some of their uh, daily practices. I think this is, man, it don't get better than this. Well, I, I appreciate those kind words. I'm trying to live up to that. And you summarize it. It's, that's that's what we got to do. Amen. I'm really trying to capitalize on my time and not waste so much time. Yeah. And uh, really, I, you know, when, when you get things, they cause you to be careful. And that's that's really a mouthful, what I, what I said just a few minutes ago, that we stay in realms where the odds suit us. We need, we need to get into situations that we need God to move because God, Oh my, he, the Bible says his eyes roam to and fro on the earth, looking for somebody to be strong for. But if, I don't want to live a life that I don't need God to show up because I'm just waiting around in the shadow, in the shallows. If that's all I'm ever doing. So I appreciate the opportunity to speak with you. And, uh, I've been challenged by it, and uh, I appreciate the things you had to say. Amen. I appreciate you, brother. Thank you again for joining us. So before we cut this podcast, 
the listeners, anybody that's listening, what is one thing you want them to walk away from this episode hearing? Uh, I guess if I could uh, say one thing is to realize, and I know, it's essentially that this moment that we're in, you can change your past. You don't, you need to do it right now because you are writing your past. Uh, I don't know if people understand, like if you get a brand new computer and you put 10 pictures on there and 10 articles on there, when you delete it, it's still on there because that computer has enough room until you use all of that memory, then everything on there needs still to be overwritten. So in our lives, when, when we begin to live a life that's pleasing to God, we begin to change our past to this degree that uh, God said, if you'll turn to me and be righteous, I'll forget all the wickedness you've done. So when we begin to live, and it's one of the most powerful scriptures, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. So to the listener, if you're missing things in your life, this is an absolute. Seek God. Seek his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. So if you're if there's things missing in your life, you can begin to live a righteous life and God's going to forget the wickedness of your past. But on the same term, we have we have to say, God said in the same in the same book, the same chapter, that if you turn from your righteousness and you turn in you'll forget the righteous acts that you've done so for me it's realizing this moment I'm living in I can change my moment the next word I say that pierces the future it also becomes my past so I, I want to speak something worth remembering speak something worth repeating do something worth repeating do something worth emulating so I don't know. I hope it didn't confuse anybody with that, but let's just take advantage of this moment that we're living in to its full degree. Make time work for you. There you go. <laughs> I should have said that. <laughs> All right, take brother. You. Amen. This podcast is made possible because of listeners like you who are willing to bridge the gap. We now have a sponsorship program on our Anchor website in which you can become a monthly sponsor of $1, $5, or $10 a month. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook.